Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combating modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. Okay, we're, we're starting. Hi. Hello. So I read an article last week, which led to some discussion that we thought would be a good topic for today. So, yeah. And Sounds so good. the study was, I was, re, it, I was reading up on lymphology to prepare to teach. And I came across this article. Uh, I think they, I can't remember what they were trying to demonstrate. But anyway, uh, I think they were looking for anatomy of the lymphatics. And they gave a medication to atrophy lymphatics in the digestive tract of mice. And then they sacrificed the mice and they saw that ascites or swelling, um, accumulation of lymphatic fluid had developed in the intestines. But what shocked me was the medication was tamoxifen, which is what they give to uh, breath, uh, estrogen positive breast cancer patients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, n- no wonder so many of them have problems. So I thought, this is not what the study is about. So I'm going to look a little further. And I did find that tamoxifen blocks this uh, growth factor that is a growth factor for the lymphatics, but it's also a growth factor for tumors. So we don't want tumors to grow. And so medically, I guess I, I need to talk to somebody who actually knows more about it, works in the field, but I'm assuming it's way it's weighing out um what's the lesser evil right yeah exactly you don't want a wild growing cancer tumor and maybe we can just help people support their 
their gut health in other ways. I always think when terms of medications now, and I think this is what the FDA's um, guidelines are, is that if the result of not taking a medication is worse than the side effects, then, oh, well, like that's a, that's a better option. So like what, you know, kind of what you're just saying of, oh, well, it stops the cancer from coming back, but we get abdominal swelling in the intestines. Okay. So Uh, the the cancer one is like more. um, So if we think about where people are coming from, um, but then we also unfortunately don't know, well, then what happens to the intestines after all that swelling happens? Like, can there be cancer there that we didn't really know that we needed to stop or other, something else could be coming up um, because yeah. of that. So um, people on those medications, they get a lot of side effects that, yeah. you know, like pain everywhere, uh, just lots of it. There was a last year, there was a medication that was approved uh, for Park Parkinson's. I believe it was, was it Parkinson's or no, it was Alzheimer's and um, it was very controversial Um some doctors on the the FDA board did not agree that it should be approved because people ended up in ICU. Mm. But then they were having some positive results. And things like cancer or Alzheimer's are the type of thing where it makes for a dark and scary future. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try what we can. Yeah to avoid that future yeah it's definitely we were I guess like we could also I didn't know what to call this episode as I was (laughs) writing the title of our recording thing um but maybe we could call it that medical paradigm how you know there there's multiple areas of concern and they all blend into each other and unfortunately we can't make decisions that are a hundred percent going to be a hundred percent positive. Like there might be some, what we would call negative of like side effects or cost or um, time or resources or something like that. So our medical system is and our health in general is definitely multiple paradigms playing with each other. Yeah. So tackling this topic, it was, it, it has been kind of elusive to name, but I think it is about paradigms Mm -hmm. and paradigms that affect our health choices Mm -hmm. and the group paradigm, like what our society is choosing to emphasize Mm -hmm. and how that affects our, our point of view. So I have this book here. It's called the spell of the sensuous uh, by David Abrams, how it's called um, subtitled perception and language in a more than human world. And he his book is just about how language changes our perception. Mm-hmm. Like you see things differently based on your, how you use words. And I've been um, like trying to get as much unbiased and centered information from news more lately, just to make sure that we take some of that language out Um, And it's amazing how um, this 
one uh, Instagram account that I followed for that. It's called All Sides Now, I think it's called. Um, And they talk a lot about how language is used to get emotions riled up or get um, not so much our critical thinking brains going um, or putting like the passive voice to something that's very active um, or vice versa. Um, and it isn't, I, I never thought of it in the medical world. Um, cause we talk a lot about it in media. Um, but that makes yeah. sense too about what, of course it would bleed into any other system in the, in our culture. Yeah. I think at the beginning of my career, I thought that, oh, healthcare is just based on fact. Mm-hmm. And then with time I realized, well, no, there's a lot of belief in it too. Uh, and, um, so you and I, we come back to how can we help people with this? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I don't, I'm bringing these up as examples. I don't want to ding the practice of medicine uh, because they do a lot of good. But maybe the question is, how do we help people um, navigate their choices, realizing that um, there is no hard and fast truth about what's the best health care for somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's different for every person and where mm-hmm. you're coming from and where your medical team's coming from and past experiences and training and resources available. It's, it's very, it's hard to navigate. That's for sure. Yeah. So the, the other one, that came up for me as I prepared to teach you know, I was looking at what's, what's happening in lipedema world right now. So lipedema is a condition also called painful fat syndrome, Uh, mostly affects women. Um, The classic picture is that their upper body looks uh, a normal size. And then when you get to the waist, the hips flare out symmetrically and they have big legs all the way to the ankles and then the feet are normal. Mm-hmm. That, that that can vary. It can be like having big thighs and then the blow of the knees are normal. Uh, the, this fat at first is, is just shapely, but over time it can become lumpy. Um, so anyway, a big movement right now is to do, they call it lymph sparing liposuction for these patients, what makes it lymph sparing is they just use a micro cannula. Uh, so a much smaller suction device, and they just go up and down instead of across uh, on so that they don't damage as much of the connective tissue or the that holds the lymphatics. Um, so the thing there is, um, why aren't we in the perfect world, the Garden of Eden, we're telling people that, wow, look how beautiful you are. Look how, look at your shape. It's gorgeous. And teaching body confidence. But what medicine is trying to do is address the, um, the angst that's created (laughs) in a society that has a very narrow tolerance of what's considered beautiful in the body. And what's considered beautiful and healthy too. Um, yeah. A lot, of, um, a lot of 
rhetoric around body size and health. And there's a book out there called, um, let me see who the author is. It's called Healthy at Every Size. At Every Size, who is written by uh, Linda Bacon, Dr. Linda Bacon. Um, she's a PhD. Mm-hmm. And um, talks about how yes, we there is some evidence regarding weight and health, um, but it's maybe not what we think it is. And there's a different driver behind it all, not just the weight itself. Um, and so that is also probably what is driving the option of, oh, well, if we reduce your BMI, then you'll be healthier. Um, and that doesn't necessarily the case. So um, that's also probably driving behind that as well. Yeah. And so then as therapists, how do we support people going through this? Because then we have our biases mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, I, I think my bias is uh, less procedures, less medication, less intervention surgeries as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, that may not be everybody's value. Yeah, exactly. Uh, managing lipedema is time consuming. And there's a lot of, I know a lot of people that I've talked to in our clinic about it, how another driver is what, how, you know, how much their family made fun of them um, growing up and telling them that they're lazy and unworthy of love and, all of those things that we somehow equate to people in larger bodies. And so when you have that need for love from your family, that based off of something off of a medical diagnosis that actually they cannot control, at least forgetting it, um, can drive a lot of people to do extremes. Um, Cause all, we all want to belong. Um, and, if we don't look like our family because we have lipedema, that could be really traumatizing for a lot of people. Yeah. So in my studies in Ayurveda, so there's a lot of great stuff in Ayurveda, but there's a lot of stuff that they have have to wade through as well. That's um, outdated. For instance, it's very, um, Oh, what's the word? So uh, their attitude towards women is terrible. they're, they have some great ideas for for uh, childbirth and conception and stuff like that. But anyway, the one of the the treatments for having a large body is hitting the body, hitting it hard. And you know, after spending the last twenty or so years in my career learning light techniques to change the body, there's a paradigm for you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That is one because especially like you can think of psychologically there, like you're hitting the body because you're like essentially hating your body, which is not what we should be doing. No. Um, you know, that light touch and like mentally and mindfully like saying like, I love you and I'm sorry for all the negative things I told about you and to myself and to my friends and my family and 
um, you're worthy and all that kind of stuff. Like that's where the change actually happens. Yes. And getting that across that light touch is going to do more for you than beating up your body. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of lately of um, like the mechanism of how manual therapy works and you know, we physically cannot change our tissues no matter how hard we push because um, it takes too much pressure to actually make tissue changes. And so when I say what's well, actually like we're addressing the nervous system and we're addressing the lymph system that's not very deep and all of the, you know, we're improving endorphins and that's how manual therapy works. And they're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So if I could do that in a nicer way to you and my and my own body then I'm going to choose that route every now and then in our professional journals there are case study articles where therapists have damaged patients Mm -hmm. from pushing too hard yeah and I think it's unfortunately we people even in my uh, graduation class of PT school which wasn't you know it was six years ago so it wasn't that long ago um, you know, they didn't talk about manual therapy, how I just talked about it. And I think, unfortunately, maybe the research is just behind. And as we all know, research and clinical practice are like 15 years separated. Um, right? oh, so we're 15 years ahead of the research. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we can say that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I'm sure that's also true for a lot of people as well. Unfortunately, the other way around it also exists too, where we're 15 years behind what the research is saying. So, (laughs) There's the expression, water wears away rock. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And, And that's to me is like the simple explanation of light touch manual therapy. You're going to get more change with a, a steady, slow pressure than bashing something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, it, you know, going back to that too, again, is what we live in a world now, unfortunately, that people's idea of change has to be quick um, because we don't have the time or the resources to make this a multi-year plan. Um, And we have to understand that, that connection too. Like when we can not talk about lipedema, we can use that with like prolapse where I have women who I say, you know, this is the four reasons why we can have prolapse and we don't know the extent of your connective tissue difficulties and changes until we give this a good college try of six months to a year and if truly no change is happening that tells us then the connective tissue is the problem and surgery might be the best option for you if it is something that you feel like needs to be fixed um but you know when you hear the words even six months to a year people are like oh I don't have the time and I don't have the resources and I I the bothersome of the prolapse is worse than we than I thought and so I'd rather get it fixed now and then then I tell them if that's the case then let's make sure afterwards we come back so we talk about like how do we prevent it from coming back um and maybe that's the best option for people um 
So it is interesting too that everyone's um, where their limit is also determines their decision making process for what we're talking about. Well, and the, the example you give is just there's a misunderstanding about medicine and what it can do. You know, I, surgery provides the opportunity for healing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fix. Yeah, it, I like that. Right. They're going to have, even when people have a surgery, there's a recovery process that is usually going to take a year. Yeah. Um, yeah, the six weeks, six to eight weeks mark. For everyone who runs, well, my doctor says six to eight weeks. Um, well, that's what tissue healing of the incisions and infection risk are less at that point. Um, but does it mean that the rest of the body is healed or um, ready to do the, what it did previously at that time? Right. Because there's always the recovery of function and all that. I So here's a, this is another bias or paradigm that I think trips people up in making healthcare choices. It, um, that medicine is the top of the heap and it's going to fix it. And I'm going to be done in six to eight weeks. <laughs> yeah. But, or the, our, our bias is, Oh, our methods will fix it. It just takes longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think, so there's a balance point where both are true. Both have a, ro- a place in the process. So your example of prolapse, I, I just think, what we teach should go with um, any surgery for the problem. Like if you're going to have surgery for prolapse, you need to understand how to function in your body to prevent further prolapse. Cause it's just going to come back. Yeah. If we don't change those things. So you, you can put the best of surgery and the best of therapy together and get a better result than doing either one by themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the same for any healing modality. It doesn't have to be therapy. It could be counseling, acupuncture, uh, chiropractic, you know, whatever your modality is and the combination of it all. Uh, yeah. It's all of it. So here's another bias then I guess that we have is that it's important to live a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of... Um, like uh, 10 years ago or so we had a, somebody come to the clinic and the therapist who saw the person did does this beautiful job. The lady, I think she had lymph- lymphedema and the therapist explained to her, oh, this is how you manage lymphedema. This is what you want to do f- uh, for it. And the lady uh, went home and in a couple of days called back and said, she canceled all her appointments. She says, I don't want to do self-care. <laughs> yeah, like as if it were a choice uh, yeah. and maybe that sounds reasonable to someone else but in my head it sounds crazy like you you have to take care of yourself <laughs> yeah and I think if we then go like address that bias because I think that's also something that I struggle with for myself is that then if we aren't going to put any some kind of effort into it then are we wasting our time right and everyone's Mm -hmm. time yeah 
just one person's time and and we're and resources might not be used to the best of our the best that they should be and stuff like that but we also have to figure like realize like where they're coming from like if they've been told their entire life that they're not worthy of anything then of course they're not going to do self-care or if they're told um or if they believe in a religious situation where god will fix everything and i just put faith in god and he'll take care of me then yeah like we also aren't going to put as much effort into self-care and self-practice um so we also have to realize like where people are coming from and meet them where they're at. Mm. And at some point though, we're also like, well, you also are coming for help. So we can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. So where is that balance between like accepting that change is inevitable and we're going to help you guide you through that change. Um, but you also have to come at a gentle space um so that you don't feel attacked or feel stupid or something like that so mm-hmm. yeah well making change is hard it um, is very hard we are creatures of habit no it, and whether that habit is to have no uh self care or self discipline that's the habit and mm-hmm. and so the like this last year while i've been in um school for ayurveda i've also been a patient uh, just to see what this process is like. And literally the first seven months were me trying to change my habits mm-hmm. and running into all of uh, my foibles. I'd, I'll say, you know, just like the uh, my ha- giving up my habit of daily uh, chocolate covered raisins <laughs> and, and potato chips. Uh, that one was easy, but then trying to cut back on coffee it took me months. I couldn't do it. And, and it really was about meeting my own fear and anxiety uh, that I was assuaging with food or coffee or, and maybe I'd gotten down to less uh, choices that were less harmful, but uh, nonetheless, they, if, if I want optimal health, they weren't helping. And, uh, you know, it it gave me a lot of appreciation for what I ask people to do and that giving them one thing to change in the week is plenty for most, most of us. And that might take a month, you know, or more reality. Um, So, and I definitely, it's like that constant, the constant back and forth between like the come to Jesus moment and like the, (laughs) and the, I'm going to meet you where you're at and hold your hand and help you through this process. Like finding that balance between those two is, is difficult and everyone's different in regards to that as well. And I think also like what people believe, like it is another um, bias of mine too. And I'm being, this is very critical um that medicine has become lazy and mm-hmm. that we're just that a lot of times people come to us with what the physician or uh or the specialist told them and then 
I ask a bunch of questions. I'm like, well, did they talk about this, this, and this? And they're like, oh, no, they didn't say anything about that. And I'm like, so, again, we're talking about the bias of the physician and how, or the specialist, and how it's based off of their schooling and their reading of research and their um, ability to be okay with looking outside of what they currently know and I feel like a lot of times we get patients or I'm talking to friends and I'm like it it is so lazy like we the answer that they gave me was lazy and it's like but also we have to understand that the system is not set up for them to to it's set up for them to make shortcuts and to only be able to have eight to 15 minutes to talk about a problem when we have an hour to talk about the problem. Um, and, you know, so there's so many layers to all of it. Um, and then it's hard. And then I have my own validation problem then of, well, if you're giving so much effort and, and weight to what the physician said, and I'm taking a little bit more time with you and like talking to you about things. And yes, what I'm talking about might be a little bit more, um, uh non-tangible and it's hard to like really critically think about it and and grasp the concepts that I'm saying um but I but I am putting a little bit more effort into figuring out what's going on with you and giving you options to make sure that we truly are finding the reason why you're having difficulties not just giving you a band-aid um so that's a lot to unpack there as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sitting here going, yes, yes. <laughs> because, oh, my gosh. that If we go back to that idea that language changes perception, how the medical providers have been forced into a model of delivering service has changed their perception. Mm-hmm. And and it's fundamentally changing the practice of medicine where it, they're missing things mm-hmm. and they're missing saying some obvious things. <clears throat> I, you know, I, we, we've had a comment comments lately about how great therapy solutions is. And uh, even one doctor, uh, I was so thrilled. He told um, a patient he, he said, well, I could send you to um, Seattle, but frankly, the best care you're going to receive for this problem is a pelvic floor thing. What is that is right here in town. Is that therapy solutions? I was just thrilled because, you know, we've all worked hard and sacrificed to do well. And that was a sign that it paid off. And we're smart ladies. But, you know, everybody that gets into medical school or physical therapy school, they're all pretty smart people because you can't, can't, it's a rigorous process to get in. And they're just not given the chance to do what we've been able to do. But exactly. that, that's also, there's that, this has come at a price, you know, like if you look at it from a business perspective, it's not a highly profitable model. And the value right now is on, does this make money? Can this, yeah. can we increase profits over time? It, which is a silly model, actually, when it comes to people's health. Um, and, it's, and, and then on the other side of it too, is that then the people who are more 
like-minded of us. And again, we're not saying that we know everything and that we are no. the best in the world. <laughs> I'm, we're just offering an alternative to what is available for most people. And it seems to help a lot of people. Um, is Then on our end, like we continue to take most insurances. But in, phys- in the physician world, they are not able to treat kind of how we are able to treat. And so mm-hmm. they ha- go an all self-pay model, it, meaning you cannot use your insurance. You have to pay up front and you have an opportunity of then trying to reimburse yourself with um, by your insurance company. And then, but only a certain amount of people actually can afford something like that or have the time to then submit the claim to your insurance company and be on the phone for who knows how long that you're going to be on the phone for. And you might not get that money back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now, and so then I'm like afraid that yes, we're like going against the system and like being like, you know, like we're, this is a better way to do this. However, it only limits the amount of people that can get that care. And yeah, I don't want it to get too so far to the other way where, again, there's this big shit, this big gap between the wealthy and the not so wealthy. And yeah. um, I'm really worried about that as well. Yeah, that's a that's a great observation, because that, that would be why medicine is trying to be more efficient mm-hmm. to be affordable. Um so there's also there's yeah yeah there's more there's no right and wrong there's no. different ways of of um doing it but i do think that what we value shapes can shape how we work and um uh and that it also creates more enjoyment in doing work I feel more effective yeah and that probably limits burnout for both Mm -hmm. patients and for uh, practitioners Um, Mm -hmm. and um, how can we make it sustainable that's for sure yeah wow (laughs) I know and I've a lot to unpack because I think in anything, there's always multiple sides coming at every problem. And we can't, we can't deny the fact of how deeply rooted biases are in terms of systemic oppression or systematic oppression when it, um, mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, how you were talking about the Ayurvedic medicine tends to not favor women very much and um patriarchy society mm-hmm. does continues to have that difficulty and um we also have uh you know racism is a huge uh systemic problem that creates medical problems and health issues and um uh, kind of like the yeah, it's, it's gosh, it's it runs really deep. It's it's hard to hold space for all of it too. And so it we can pra- bring it back around to practicality. To okay, if somebody's ha- wants some help, how can they get meaningful help? 
within the current system. And I don't think it's a matter of I'm just going to go all medicine or I'm going to I'm just going to do natural medicine like seeing one or the other is the best or better than <clears throat> but rather to see each as a a paradigm a model that has some answers mm -hmm. they they all have some answers and <clears throat> i think the third piece is that self care so if i said medical natural medicine self care natural medicine being um, you know, we put functional medicine there, naturopathy, it, uh, I guess I'm putting them there, um, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, um, and then self-care because it's a personal responsibility. Um, and maybe that personal responsibility is the balance point between those two mm, systems, yeah. those two weights. Um that to recognize when you go to a provider, they're going to tell you what they know mm -hmm. and they're not good or bad yep. or they, they, they just so, and you don't have to do, you know, by going to them, you don't have to do what they're saying, but you can gather information from them and then go home and weigh what's going to work. What's going to work best for me. Um, and the, the same in the world of uh, natural medicine. Is this, does this work for me? Is this something I can do? And how, how can we put them together? Because I do think it's there. And I think having people that you can have those honest conversations of, this is my boundary and this is where I'm going to, for right now, and this is where I'm going to try. And truly having honest conversations about limitations and boundaries and um, capabilities and all of that. Um, that's what we truly need. We need that communication. It needs to be a partnership. It needs to be um, not one is better than the other. And we just, in the current medical model, we unfortunately don't have enough time um, in the in the phys in the physician world, not enough time to talk about that kind of stuff, and mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, but it needs to be a partnership. It needs to be honest communication, and you shouldn't fear your knowledge and fear your intuition about your body because you're afraid of what a medical provider is going to tell you about it that it's dumb or stupid or or maybe they might surprise you and be like, yeah, I think that's a really good. Um, Thing that you just said so I think it comes down to honest communication with yourself and your people around you and your medical team yeah. and it can take time to find answers it takes a lot of time and I feel like in the current system more than when I first started to practice and so people have to persevere through this through that process of trying to get answers for themselves yeah um and be and okay taking time and also trying something and maybe it doesn't help you and then trying something else. Yeah. Um, that's exhausting. And I've been there and there's times where I had to take breaks because I couldn't keep up with the constant trial and error. Mm -hmm. um, but I always seem to come back to it once I find my nervous system or my 
time or my life like has the opportunity to do that. So, yeah, I, I think it, the phrase that's really hitting me right now is just slowing down. And I think that's, I, I like, I've said it on this podcast before, uh, being gloriously inefficient. Um, like, I'm going to stand, stand proud that I do not work in an efficient manner and, because I don't think health is efficient or the process of finding one's health is not efficient. Being healthful is efficient, but getting there takes, takes time. And that being able to stop and think about what's been offered to you and find what's right for you. Um, it doesn't have to be done in a hurry. That, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, I think those were, I mean, so I don't know how we did with this. I'm sure that there's more that, that could be said, but. Uh, yeah. I think that what we, how we can summarize everything is that everyone's experiences are different and their backgrounds are different. And we have to know that their story from when they were born to where they are now in front of us creates what they, the situation that they're currently in. And that all of that history is going to then affect decision-making processes and reactions to education and reactions to reality. And that unless we 100% had the same exact experiences as these, as our patients or as fellow friends or whoever, then we have to try to limit our biases as much as possible or at least be upfront with our biases. And lately, like the past few weeks with a lot of my patients, I, I am being very open and honest about my biases. Um, and I think that has allowed um, a more meaningful conversation with a lot of people. Nice. And so we have to, us as medical providers, understand all of that and then continue to give as much information as possible and then be more of the guide and not so much the car, you know, kind of a thing. Um, and know that it's all, it's difficult, but yet also trust the process. You know, it's, gosh, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, we might have to like sleep on it for a couple of nights and add to it. <laughs> yeah dig in deeper because I think we're onto something important for all of us to understand. Like you said, it's not just in healthcare, but it's, it's how probably we build bridges back again between us in our society, in our country. Yeah. Um, uh, because it's by appreciating each other's point of view it is something that has made this country what it what it has been. Yes. Seems like it's a little shaky right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, getting back to that place where we can learn to understand our own biases, recognize how they affect us, um, 
and and how to listen to other people. I, I like the way you put that. Um, yeah. 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 And know that I think what we're also, because I'm looking, I'm like really looking at the, our notes that we wrote down. Mm-hmm. And it's like meeting people where they're at and know that just because you made one decision doesn't mean you're like, screwed the rest of like going forward right like Mm -hmm. and maybe in our bias in our perfect world we would love for people to come to us before they make a decision like that like a big decision um but know that that person made the best decision for themselves at that time with the information and knowledge and experiences and resources that they had at the time and then now they're here in this instance, and now we can we can still move forward. Um, it doesn't have to feel like oh, like you did this and now you're screwed. Like that's not no. also true as well. No, no. I do feel like uh, uh, prolapse is a good example of that, and I I, I mentioned it earlier that. Uh, therapy and surgery go together well in that yeah diagnosis yeah absolutely and I think in lipedema they can go together well too I uh, think you know as I'm getting uh, more patients who are having liposuction and I mean what a they're very they are very committed people that's not an easy process Mm-mm. um I like to think that. Oh, I like to think that working with people on uh, body confidence, learning to what just love their body and being comfortable in their skin, and then um, identifying any things that they can change that might have led their body to uh, developing that problem, you know, to triggering yeah. the genetics. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's huge. That learning body confidence and um, you know, I had to go to therapy in order to like start a mental health counseling to start the process of loving my body. And, um, and how many times I had to like tell the people around me to not talk about diets and not talk about weight and not talk about health in the form of what people assume bigger bodied people and their health is um but I had to stand up for myself and I had to tell people like let's not talk about that and also (laughs) we have more important things that we can talk about than what my body looks like um but I think um also um I I guess the other part of that I was I um, started to say was that with the advent or the invention of these um of these procedures, like more technology is going to come out of it, more innovation is going to come out of it. And maybe right now it's not the best, hundred percent, the best option, but it's better than what we've had. And with what we have now, then hopefully new innovation comes along mm-hmm. and new um, education and new technology um, where we'll, we're meeting more in the middle instead of being on two extremes. Um so 
you know, that that's at least something that we could be hopeful about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, maybe to end this, we can uh, offer the challenge to just walk around for the rest of the day or for the next hour as if you have the best body possible. Like, and whatever thinking. that looks like to you. <laughs> What's that? Whatever that looks like or feels like to you. Yeah, just deciding what you have right now is just so awesome and great and beautiful mm-hmm. and fabulous and capable and just right, like instead of how it needs to improve. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Because I felt like that's the trap that quote like natural medicine or functional medicine can get into is like Mm -hmm. we're constantly not good enough and we have to keep like trying to be better and granted I think in the in world the real world life like we are always trying striving to be a little bit better each day um Mm -hmm. but also you're also just as important and worthy as you are now as if you were in a healthier or quote-unquote better body (laughs) Yeah. Well, in physical therapy, that's our shadow too, right? Because we always have to have a goal. Yeah. We always have to figure out how we're going to do it better. Uh, and that puts a lot of pressure on. <laughs> yeah. On a lot of both people, on on practitioner and patient. That's for Yeah. Sure. And so, yeah, lots of times, you know, patients, so they'll tell me how, they think they didn't measure up to what I wanted. And then they tell me what they did. And I'm like, well, that, that sounds great to me. I think you did hit the goal. And yeah. so just being easy on ourselves, just like, like, like let it, let yourself be good enough today. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Well, good, good chat. Yeah. Thank you. We'll, we'll see you next time. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions, and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now, here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.